This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. If a company is under investigation by a federal agency, should that information be automatically released to investors or to the public? Some people would view that as information deemed material to the success or failure of the firm. Under Armour was in a bit of that situation in 2017 when they were being investigated by the SEC, but reports didn't surface about that until 2019. Wharton Accounting Professor Dan Taylor and uh, three colleagues looked at that case and what should be done in the path in the future. They wrote a paper titled Undisclosed SEC Investigations, and Dan joins us here in studio right now. Good to see you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming in. Good to meet you. Glad to be here. So how much did the Under Armour case kind of drive this this look that you took a deeper dive into the SEC? So I I would say the Under Armour case uh, somewhat drove the research, but it was also uh, coincidental in the sense that we were thinking about this issue uh, and we were, you know, it's undisclosed investigations, so nobody really has a sense of how many are actually out there because right. they're not being disclosed by companies. And so we had a suspicion that there were a few, and then the Wall Street Journal dropped the Under Armour piece uh, that, you know, they were one such company that was caught up in an undisclosed investigation. It became disclosed through the Wall Street Journal, and the stock price went down like 20% that day. And so that's when we were like, we had the little light bulb. It's like, okay, maybe this is actually occurring at a much higher frequency and is much more material, uh, you know, than we than we anticipated. So you and your colleagues actually went to the SEC and were able to gain information from what almost a two decade period, correct? Yeah. So we were able to convince the SEC uh, to release all closed formal investigations uh, that were closed between the years 2000 and 2017 to us. So we have the case numbers. We have the. Uh, the headings, the uh, the entities being investigated, the dates of the investigation, um, and it's the 299 pages of records. I mean, it was a it wow. was it was a big uh, a big data dump, and then that allows us to go in and see, in some sense, the master list of who they you know formally investigated, and then we can compare that to which firms actually disclosed during the investigation that they were in fact under investigation. So, how many did it turn out to be percentage wise? Yeah, so it was actually, we were surprised most companies don't uh, disclose the the formal investigations. Um, Within 10 days uh, of a formal investigation, about 20% of companies had disclosed. But then over the entire course of the investigation, we still found that something like 55, 56% did not, in fact, uh, uh, disclose. Well, and again, what we're talking about here is an investigation. We're not actually talking about a court case. I mean, it may end up getting to that point, Correct. but at least at the time you're looking at, it's just the investigation itself. So do the companies, even at that point, have a responsibility to tell investors, say, by the way, the SEC is talking to us about X, Y, and Z? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, there's certainly a case, if I'm a company, of if it's an investigation and it's something minor or something that I'm innocent with, you know, I don't necessarily want to, you know, broadcast that the SEC submitted subpoenas. Yeah. And, you know, if it's nothing, then why would I want to disclose that? Um but what's interesting is we actually, beyond looking at which companies were and were not disclosing the investigation, we then looked at whether the company insiders, the CEO, the CFO, the board, were trading in the company's stocks in the intervening period. Right. So here you have a case potentially where the firm is under investigation. They're not disclosing it, but the executives are trading. So that's particularly egregious because one would say, well, okay, you don't want to disclose the investigation, fine, then fiduciary duty or you know, sort of the... Uh, good governance would say, then you don't trade. Right. You either disclose the investigation or you abstain from trading. 
until the investigation comes out. So in the case of Under Armour, and I'm just thinking about this anecdotally in, right. in, in what the I remember about the company, if they were starting to be investigated in 2017 and it didn't get released to 2019, 2017 and 2018, I think, were pretty good years for Under Armour in general. Right. And it really started the downturn of the company once the once the the uh, the story came out about them being investigated. No, Under Armour is a, a you know a good example of of uh, you know an undisclosed investigation where. The firm's actually doing quite well, you know, five billion in sales, sure. you know, five point two billion in and, sales, and they were gaining ground at that time right. on Nike and Adidas and right. and the other companies and, as well. And so when that story broke, I immediately looked through because we have data on the executive sales. I immediately looked through to see whether executives were cashing out, right? And they aren't, you know, in Under Armour they were not, but you know, one can imagine a scenario which is, you know, the exact opposite, where you have an investigation and you have declining performance. Yeah. And so your your performance is declining. The SEC is investigating you. You're not disclosing that to shareholders, but you're sort of selling your shares. And that's sort of what we were we're interested in this phenomenon of, okay, if you're not disclosing the investigation, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, are you exploiting the fact that you know that you have a subpoena for for something and the investors, you know, investors don't do this, don't know this. And it it can be quite a delay and it affects, you know, it affects it affects everyone. I mean, uh, just recently, you know, uh, back in February, uh, Tesla disclosed they got an SEC subpoena in December. Sure, they don't tell you what the subpoena is for. You know, they don't give you any indication of, uh, you know, of how severe it is. And right. so the question is, is could you then infer severity based on insider trades in the window between when the subpoena comes and, uh, you know, when it gets when it gets disclosed? Right, because as as we see, and, and you know, we're watching what's going on in the markets today right. while we're doing this interview. But once that news hits the wires there's an automatic reaction and that's kind of one of the things about the markets these days it is a literally it is an instant reaction in many cases to the negative when the words sec investigation are tagged with a company right and that's one reason why you see companies that you know don't necessarily want to disclose because they're aware that if they disclose the investigation even if they think it's a nothing burger you know the market may you know, may in fact react very, very negatively. Right. But then the issue is, is that then that's fine, then don't disclose it, but then you shouldn't let your executives trade in the intervening period. So I, I guess when you're thinking about this idea then in general, maybe it's even more from a policy perspective of whether or not the SEC, it should be, you know, built into their rules of if there's an investigation ongoing, that that information should come out no matter who the company is. Right, so that's one thought would be to automatically broadcast, you know, who's who's just, you know, who's under investigation. I think the issue there is that might actually stymie investigations because okay. because there the SEC is going to be really really careful that they have a case for investigation. You know, we talk about implications in the you know in the paper. You know, like one implication for the SEC is if you're investigating a company, you should be screening the trades of the company, right? So every time you send a subpoena to an executive or to the company, that's an opportunity for the law firm, for the counsel, mm -hmm. for the uh, for the top executives to to trade on that. So the SEC should be screening uh, should be screening uh, trades during the during the investigation. And then the implication is also for the company. You know, in Under Armour's case, they didn't actually trade. The general counsels, the board, should be locking down the trading of anybody involved with the investigation sure. while the investigation's ongoing. I mean, you think about the case where you, you know you get a subpoena uh, for you know the CEO's records and the SEC is potentially alleging fraud, but you know the person you know three levels down from the CEO hears about this. Sure, yeah. maybe they start selling their shares. Yeah. you know they start selling their shares earlier. But that that's the unique part about it is that you will see. 
uh, you know, high-level investors buy and sell shares on, on a relatively common basis. Right. And it's not like you want to start a scenario where, okay, ex-executive of company Y has gone out and sold a million shares of their company stock. There must be something going on at this point. No, that's right. So, uh, you know, the fiduciary duty basically says you either disclose or abstain. So why we liked this setting is because, you know, most of the, the investigations we found in the sample have a 6% stock price decline over the next year and a 10% um, stock price decline over the next two, 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it's clear that these investigations, from an economic perspective, are material. Sure. Right? So then we're, what we're arguing is, is if, if the investigations are, in fact, material, then you know, under fiduciary duty, unless the directors are going to breach their fiduciary duty, they can't be liquidating their liquidating their shares unless they disclose it, right? And so that's the motivation why some firms say, okay, we're under investigation, we're immediately disclosing it. Sure, right, yeah. Then the executives can, can you know, trade as they, you know, trade as they please at that level. In all of the companies that you get, garnered information from the SEC, how many of them were the traditional big company, the big firm that's very easily known by name? You know, if somebody's talking about them. Right. So that's what's kind of fun about getting all of, well, fun in some sense, getting all of these, <laughs> uh, you know, 12,000 records because each one's a story. And so the first thing we did is we said, well, now that we know the set of companies that the SEC has investigated yeah. over, you know, one and a half decades, let's look at who they tend to tend to investigate. And what we found is, is that they, they do, on average, in any given year, 10% of publicly traded entities are under investigation. Right. Um, now, that ebbs and flows with different administrations and whatnot, but about 10%. Now, if you narrow that window to the uh, the largest firms, okay, so let's say that we define large as the top 10% of firms, their rate of investigation is one out of every five. So they're at about double the normal investigation. Right. So if you're a big company, you're twice as likely to be under investigation than if you were a small company. That's both good and bad. You know, we I was kind of surprised by that because my prior was is that the SEC might not go after the big whales in some sense because sure. they're going to have the most well-resourced legal defense team. Sure. Um, but at the same time, the big companies have the largest scope of fraud and largest scope of, of victim groups. So not looking at, at size of company, but are there are there sectors of, of companies, uh, you know, areas of, of our economy that draw more attention from the SEC than others? Yeah, so this was actually striking because we can look at the industry distribution to see, like, okay, are they investigating the utilities more? Or are yeah. they investigating the banks more? That's, that, that was the one I was <laughs> thinking of right off the right. bat. And the answer is it, it actually mirrors the proportion of firms in the economy in the particular sector. So we didn't find any abnormal targeting or disproportionate targeting of a, of, a, of a particular of a particular industry. Right. Um, you know, there was a little bit less on the banks, but one could make the argument that, you know, the Fed, the Treasury, you know, FDIC, the Office of Com Comptroller of the Currency, you know, pick up pick up the slack there. So I was actually surprised to see that the that the industry distribution mirrors. What do you numbers. think what do you think are are the most important takeaways then from doing this type of report you and your colleagues? I mean, I would say the takeaways here for the SEC, they need to be vigilant and monitor trading in any firms that they're investigating, even if the investigation isn't for, for insider trading. So, for example, if they're investigating a company for bribing a foreign official in, right. say, Brazil or some other, uh, some other country, they should be monitoring the trades of the employees at that firm as they're serving the subpoenas and conducting their investigation. And then the other takeaway is for boards of directors and general counsels of companies. You know, they really have to clamp down the trading. Uh, 
of the of the board of the of those involved with the subpoenas and with the investigation because if the investigation subsequently turns out to be material although the company wasn't under any duty to necessarily disclose they are under a duty to abstain from trading uh, so here it's if you're not going to disclose you know fine you don't have to legally but you are legally expected to abstain from trading Great having you with us today, Dan. Thanks very much. Yep, my Re- pleasure. Really appreciate it. Dan Taylor, accounting professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.